Welcome to Ask the Music Director, a podcast where I get to interview some of my favorite singers, actors, and music makers about what makes them who they are, and they get to ask me, the music director, anything they want. I'm your host, Dennis Curley. Today I'll be talking with Leslie Vincent, one of the most exciting up-and-coming singer-actors in the Twin Cities. She has been seen on stage at the History Theater, Park Square, and TRP, and is a regular on the independent theater circuit, including the Minnesota Fringe Festival. She has single-handedly put Monday nights at Minneapolis's Troubadour Wine Bar on the map with her cab cabarets. In my humble opinion, she imbues every performance with a captivating blend of vulnerability and strength, and her powerhouse voice is truly unique and unforgettable. We spoke at my studio in North Minneapolis. So, Leslie Vincent, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having this me. This is great. And thanks for coming up here. Um, I want to start off by talking about uh, an experience I had a couple of weeks ago. I came to see your cab cabaret. Is that what you call them? The cab yes. cabaret at the Troubadour Wine Bar in um, uptown Minneapolis. And that place was packed. Oh, my God. It was packed. Tell me about um, how this started. Because a little bird tells me that, you know, you you pretty much built that thing up from from – Ground zero. Not the restaurant, but I mean, you know, the evening. Um, well, it's I've been doing it a long time, so it hasn't always been like that. Okay. Um, a couple of years ago, the Troubadour Wine Bar opened, and they were looking for local musicians, and my friend threw my name in. You know, she said, oh, Leslie, you should do this. And I would never have done anything like that, except I just um, met a man named George Maurer, who's a oh, yeah, local I know jazz George. musician. Yes. <laughs> um, so he was music directing... Teen Idol, the Bobby V okay. story at, at History, History Theater. Theater yeah. um, and when that show first started, I sang a Carol King track, which was cut because Beautiful was touring. So, right. so they the, pulled the rights. They pulled the rights. Yes, uh, I've heard that. So, but he heard me sing and he, he asked me if I ever sang jazz. And I said, only at home. You know, I've only sung it at In home. the shower. <laughs> In the shower, exactly. I think that's what I said to him. And he was like, well, you should sing it. You should try to do it. And I was like, well, that's really cool that you think that. And then my friend, you know, said this wine bar is looking for musicians. And I was like, well, I just found this pianist who wants to sing jazz with me. So I asked him if he would sing jazz with me. We put together a set. I was oh, so fantastic. nervous. So you worked with George for a, a while then. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, I think maybe 10 people came, all my best friends came, they <laughs> sat in that center table and watched me and I was so happy. And then I loved it. So I asked if I could do another one. And I was doing them every couple of months or so. And then the owner, um, Phineas, asked me if I wanted to do a residency. So that was okay. February 2017. He asked if okay. I wanted to do once a month. Um, originally, he asked if I wanted to do twice a month. And I said, definitely not. I could not <laughs> put that much together. But once a month, I could do. So um, from February until now, I've been doing uh, a cabaret every month, different themes, um, sometimes it's jazz. I after a couple of jazz cabarets, I realized most of my friends don't listen to jazz. That's oh. not a thing that they particularly okay, like, sure, um, or aren't aren't in, aren't into. So I uh, and and by friends you mean the number of people who are coming, like the increasing number of people who are yeah, coming exactly. every time you so, did it. Yeah, then yeah. kind of caught on. You know, I had more and more people coming, so I started switching it up. I think the first time I switched it up, I did half jazz, half 90s, because oh, I wasn't ready to do all 90s, okay. but I didn't want to do all jazz, and that's all I knew at the time. And was George still playing for you then? Um, George is incredibly busy. Yes. Um, oh, I know. So yeah. I I've, I went through a couple different um, 
pianist, but I found Brian Peckle. Oh, sure. He, I know Brian. Um, yeah. he and I are really good friends now. So we've done a bunch of them together. Okay. So, and he loves that kind of pop sure. vibe. So yeah. we were really jamming on that kind of stuff. And then I just experimented with more themes. I did a whole night of murder and monsters where I did songs about those two subjects oh, for Halloween. And um, my dad came to town. So I did a whole set for him, like songs that my dad would love because oh, he nice. doesn't live here. So it was a huge deal that he came out. So how does this work then when you're... Um is it always the last Monday? It's the last of Monday the of every okay. month. Yeah. So how does that work then? You're sitting at home after you've a couple of days after you've done it, mm-hmm. and then you're thinking, okay, what am I going to do next month? And so how does that how does that work? Yeah. So I usually finish, you know, the 28th, 29th. I give myself the rest of the month off, which is sometimes <laughs> a day, a day. <laughs> and then I usually just have some source of inspiration, or there's something. There's an earworm in my head, or man, I really, I really want to do that song or that artist. Or I also try to think about audience engagement, right? Mm-hmm. What is not just what what do I want to sing, but what do people want to hear? Sure. Cuz when I go out on a Monday, I I don't want to just watch someone sing ballads for 2 hours. Okay. I want to have fun and I mm-hmm. want to laugh and maybe even sing along or nice. I want to hear something interesting. Yeah. So so is it all you come up with a theme sometimes or is yeah, it Yeah, okay. sometimes I all come right. up with a theme and then I usually make a a playlist, a Spotify playlist of okay. a bunch of songs. Sure. Then I'll go on a couple walks and listen through it, weed out the ones I know I don't want to okay. do or that won't work without the entire instrumentation of it. Sure. Um, which happens sometimes. And then I usually just throw um, a set list to whoever's playing for me that month. I try to secure the musicians first, right? Okay. Make sure I have someone. Yep. Do you do you have do you have the general uh, playlist in your head first or do you get somebody first and then sometimes have to adapt? I have the general playlist first. Okay. And then when I'm Usually we have a rehearsal where we'll brainstorm a little mm-hmm. bit, um, and that's when we'll find out, oh, this song is no good, okay. but it reminds me of this song. Okay. We should try that. Oh, great. Um, and some of the best stuff I've done have been from those, like, hey, we should just try this. Yeah. So, and what other what other piano players do you work with? You mentioned Brian. Who, who else is on your uh, list so that you call? So I just did a gig with Eric Como, who's okay. a local pianist. And then this past month, we did a night of music by Keith Hovis who's a dear friend of mine. And it was different than what you normally do. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just you and a piano player or maybe a special guest. So what? To, describe to us what that night was. Uh, so Keith is a, a musical theater composer in the Twin Cities, and he's written a bunch of different musicals, and I thought it would be nice to do a night of his music, um, just trying to find a way to involve more people yeah. and... Um, showcase some new some new stuff that people haven't heard. Sure, which so, and I'll say right off the bat, I hadn't heard any of it. <laughs> and you had some amazing people with you, who and you. So you brought a bunch of guests. Yeah, so we um, compiled uh, the cast from past shows. So we had Kelly Houlihan, Ryan London Levin, Whitney Rhodes, and Emily Dussault, who has not been in a Keith Hovis show yet. Okay, but um, <laughs> is. Uh, one of my best friends and an incredible musician. Mm-hmm. So we needed another woman who could learn um, some really difficult music fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, Emily can can blow it out of the because water. Because you guys are a duo yourself. Yeah. So Emily yeah. and I have a duo called The Champagne Drops, nice. where we sing jazz and pop, uh, mostly for private parties and Great. things like that. So yeah, so we all came together and either did songs that we've done in shows before. Um, I had the honor to sing a song that was cut from the musical I was in, which okay. was so cool. <laughs> I'm hoping to get it back in the show one day. Which show and what um, was the song? So the show is called Jefferson Township Sparkling Junior Talent Pageant. It's coming to Park Square, summer 2019. Oh, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Great. And um, at the I play 
I won't get into the whole plot, but I play um, a former beauty pageant winner. And um, when someone threatens to take away my crown, there's a whole hmm. Britney Spears-esque <laughs> song called Shots Fired where I'm like, hell no, you're not taking my crown from me. I <laughs> will be the best. That song made me laugh so I- <laughs> Especially because you had, you had Whitney and who, who was sitting on the stage. It was uh, Yeah, Whitney, Kelly, and Emily. And, and they were <laughs> literally sitting on the edge of the stage while you were up on the stage. And uh, Keith was at the piano. And they were just like, I mean, it was the, the backups were, were priceless. It was yeah. great, great song. It was really, it was really a wonderful night and a great Thank crowd. You. I knew, I knew a lot of people, which was fun to see people I hadn't seen in a long yeah, time. Yeah, so. and I like to think of it as a social gathering, right? So yeah. I liked the idea of people coming together or meeting each other. I have some people come, and now we're friends. So that's great. It's yeah, yeah. I like to think of it as a place for people to come together because we spend so much time, especially as artists and musicians, rehearsing and performing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's nice to just have a glass of wine and see each other. Yeah. Oh, that's great. There's a lot of people curating, curating, that's a great word for it, curating these evenings of, of performance. And I, yeah. I love that. And I love that you're a part of that. Thank you. Yeah. I always, what I've been telling people since I started is, as, as an actor, it's, we don't have a lot of agency. We don't get to right. decide what songs we sing in a show. We don't get to decide what shows we're cast in. There's a lot that's out of our control. So it's really nice um, to have a night that's yours, to have to say the things that you want to say, tell the yeah. stories you want to tell, do yeah. the music you want to do. It's amazing. I always encourage people to do it, even if it's scary, even if you're like, oh, I could never do it. I'm <laughs> telling you, you could do it. Nice. So uh, let's talk a little bit about you. Uh, where did you grow up? So I'm from a military family, so I didn't oh. grow up anywhere. <laughs> Army brat. Um, Navy brat. Navy um, brat. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. Uh, so I moved all over the East Coast, spent some time in London, uh, my family settled in Maryland. My dad worked for the, um, worked in the Pentagon for mm-hmm. a while. Okay. Did you, um, Norfolk? Was Norfolk on the list? I went to, yep. Yeah, lived okay. right outside of Norfolk. Um, we, my parents lived in Virginia Beach for a number of years. That's so I used to go there. Amazing. Often. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Spent some elementary school years. Okay. Out there. Great. Um, and London and, uh, where else overseas? That was it. That was okay. my only overseas okay. stint. Um, and what age were you, uh, I was nine to 12. Oh my gosh. That's, and I'm going to just say, uh, from a personal standpoint, that's, that's one of the most interesting things and best things I think for kids. We, when I was Mm -hmm. eight years old, my dad took a, a sort of a teaching exchange deal with a professor in Belgium. So we lived in Belgium for nine months or whatever, when I was eight years old and that it changes your life. I mean, you, you are a different person than you would be if you never left the mm-hmm. U.S. And so Absolutely. maybe that's why um, I feel a connection when I talk to you. There's you, you have a broader sense of the world, I think, which mm-hmm. is it's such a gift, actually. My brother and I talk about that a lot because mm-hmm. when you're in it, when you're a kid, um, it's it sucks. It's annoying. It's you think, God, why? You know, why? Where are all my friends? You and know? where's my America? Like yeah, when they yeah. o- they opened a Taco Bell on a base <laughs> that was about two hours away when okay. I was, I think, in fifth grade, uh-huh. and I was obsessed. I was like, dad, we have to go to Taco Bell. And so whenever my dad had meetings up there, which Uh happened once a month, Uh he would buy us Taco Bell for that day. And like that day is dinner and the next day is lunch. Cause I was like, I miss America. I miss malls. But now looking back, I wouldn't trade it for anything because I'm never scared to travel. I'm never scared to go anywhere new. Um, even coming here, even moving here, I was like, whatever. Yeah. I'll just figure it out. 
So how old were you when you moved here? What was that? Uh... So I moved here at 23. Okay. Um, so had you had you stopped, you had stopped moving around at a yeah. certain point. So I, we stopped moving when I was uh, 13. We moved back to Maryland. Okay. So I, my parents were very, um, they, they really wanted us to go to high, one high school. They didn't okay. want us to move during high school. And your so. brother is uh, what age difference? He's a year younger than okay. I am. And it's just the two of you. Just the two okay. of us, yeah. Okay. So then, so you had come back to the U.S. You had settled in Maryland. You did high school there. And mm -hmm. then you went where after that? So then I decided to become a poet. And really? I convinced my wow. parents to let me go. That surprises me. I did not expect that to come out of your mouth. <laughs> um, I convinced my parents to let me go to Emerson College in Boston. Sure. Right. So I had this... I had this connection to New England. That's where my my best friends were, my grandparents, who I'm very close to. So I went there. Um, I was going to write. I was really into English at my school. And then um, probably like three weeks in or six months in, I forget, I was like, this is not for me. Like, I'm a people person. I like to be with people. Writing is so solitary. Yeah. It's horrible. Interesting. And so... Um, well, some people would say the opposite of horrible, but I know what you're saying. Absolutely. For somebody for who's... Me, for me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was just... Um, it was really tough. Yeah. And so I left Boston, um, left behind my weird film friends <laughs> and poetry friends, <laughs> and I went to the Catholic University of America, uh, where I have a Bachelor of Music. Okay. So it's one of the only programs in the country that does a Bachelor of Music in musical theater. As opposed to a BFA. Right. Actually, so, where I went to school, actually, when I went to Northwestern, there was no musical theater program at all. I got my bachelor in music. Um, and now there's just, I think it's just a certificate. I think you're getting oh, a bachelor of science in the in the speech department with a certificate in musical theater. I don't, maybe things have changed, but I don't know that there's a bachelor of music in musical theater. That's so weird. Yeah. yeah. And it's an interesting way to structure a program. So I had a lot of music classes, a lot of theory, mm -hmm. a lot of um, sight singing, ear training. Yeah. To get a bachelor's in music, and I don't think people get it, um, it's a double course load. People don't really understand. I um, We took basically an entire semester's worth of courses in uh, ear training, musical theory. Uh, music theory, music history, uh, international phonetic alphabet. I mean, all this stuff, mm -hmm. which basically is a full course load. And then you have to take your general education mm -hmm. thing. So yeah, people don't get that. It's a it's like double double work there. Yes, it was wild. Yeah. So, um, and this is in D.C. This is in D.C. And you got your degree. I did. And then how did you end up here? So back, okay. So hung out in D.C. for a while, kind of living my early 20s life. And then my best friend and I decided to go to UPTAs, which is the Unified Professional yes. Theater Auditions in Memphis. Yes. Mm -hmm. So we, um, do you know this story? Not at all. Oh my gosh. No, I can't believe exciting. I can tell you this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we went, um, I auditioned for a bunch of stuff and I met Heather Meyer. Okay. And oh my I gosh. auditioned for na the National <laughs> Theater for Children. Yeah. Um, and they called me back, which... Wait, you, did you meet her at the Uptas just randomly? Yeah. Well, I met her in the audition room. Okay. Um, or we, the way it works is you have a number and you, you do say the a monologue. General call, yeah. And then mm -hmm. you go in a room and there's like boards. The different theaters have boards and then you see if your name's on it. Yep. And then you have a callback. Yep. So then in the room, um, you know, I went to callback, went, went to callbacks for her and um, 
It was great. I think I improvised a scene with characters from 30 Rock. And then, but then I ran into her at the bar that night. Even better. (laughs) um, I recognized her and we just, there was some click about it. Like I was like, we just clicked and we talked all night, which we're supposed to like, time for the actors to like kind of network. But I just was like talking to Heather all night. great. God, I could talk to her. Yeah. And so then she offered me a job. Um, That's, I can't remember any of the years, but- Eventually, sure. she offered me a job. And then I came out here, and I had never been to Minneapolis, mm-hmm. and I fell in love. Yeah. So I met this guy. Um, we were in the same rehearsal week. So the way that these tours work is you rehearse um, kind of in a big group, you learn your show, and then you're off in pairs. So this is travel. the National What's it called? National? The National Theater for Children. Theater for Children. Yeah. There's a couple on that. I think Missoula Children's Theater is that model. Prairie Fire is that model. So that you all do what you do together, but then you off you go two people yes. at a time. Yeah. So I okay. went to, I spent um, two and a half months in North and South Carolina and Ohio okay. performing for schools sure. about energy conservation. Um, but on the weekends, I would meet up with this guy <laughs> and we just fell in love very quickly. Um, so that I came back here in in March um, booked myself another tour in May, mostly mm-hmm. so I could see him. Okay. Um, so I asked them to, you know, because they'll buy your plane ticket to come out here to rehearse. So mm-hmm. I asked them mm-hmm. if they would do it a week early so I could spend a week with him Aww. before doing another tour. Um, and then by August, I moved here for him. Wow. I felt, I did feel this really strong pull to New York. I wanted to go. I wanted to experience it. I kind of regretted that I hadn't gone back in that time. And... Um, this friend said, uh, why don't you go for a month? Why don't you just go? Like, who says you have to move there? Yeah. Just try it. Um, and it took me a while to get the money together, but I did. So last May, I went out for a whole month. Oh, okay. And I subletted a room, and I didn't work. I didn't have a job. I just... You were going to go with the intent of auditioning for things. Yep. I yeah. just went to audition for so things great. to see what the yeah. city was like. Um, and it was a magical experience. Really? Yes, it was. It was magical. Um, a lot of really interesting things happened. Um, I met some interesting people. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the short story I'll tell is that I, great Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812 mm-hmm. was my favorite show on Broadway at the okay. time. My second day there, I saw it. Okay. Actually, I think my first day there, I saw it. I was like, <laughs> I must see the show immediately. Um, met Britton Ashford, who plays um, Sonia in the show. At the stage door, I was like, you know, you're an inspiration to me. Your wow. voice is so unique. It's mm-hmm. it's incredible to me that your voice is on Broadway. Okay, two weeks later, I met her again on the train, but she did not remember me. Okay. So she's, <laughs> she just started talking to me. Wow. And that day I'd been super lost because the, sometimes the trains don't go on the way they're supposed <laughs> to go. And I didn't know where I was or how okay, to get to sure. the train I needed. Yeah. And I asked her, you know, I'm trying to get to the G and I'm confused. Then she's like, where are you from? We started talking. And then I I knew it was her because at the end, you know, she said, I was like, I'm Leslie. And she goes, I'm Britain. And I was like, I know it's her. I know yeah, it's her. Yeah. And I went on her Facebook page and I sent her a message, like not uh, her personal page, yeah, but her yeah. actor page. Yeah. And I said, hey, this is maybe crazy, but I, I'm the girl you met on the train. I don't know if this is you, but I'm here for the month. I'd love a friend if you're... Aww. Free and she was like, "I'd love to." <gasps> You're kidding! I'm not oh even kidding. Oh my god! You. you made friends with a Broadway star. And You're so just, we <laughs> met up. We met up for um, coffee in Brooklyn and just like took a lovely wow. walk and talked. And I kind of picked her brain, but I didn't. 
I didn't want to tell her that I'd already seen the show. Okay. I didn't want to be like, I'm your fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right. I pretended oh, I totally that, that I yeah. did not see it okay. and also that I didn't know it, which is hilarious because if you're a musical theater person in New York, like you know <laughs> Natasha Pierre in The Great Comet of 1812, like Josh Groban is in it, but I just pretended not to know. That's so funny. But she, it was so lovely because she's... She's a musician. Did, did you tell her you were an actor? Yes. Okay. All right, and I told right. her I was on this journey okay. and that I'm, you know, interested in the bridge between music and theater, mm-hmm. right? How, what, what is that? And that's, she has a band and writes her own music. So that was really interesting. Yeah. Um, and then she was like, well, you should come see the show I'm in. So she like got me a ticket and I like went to see it. And then like she came out at the stage door oh. and I like went in with her, which was such a reversal yeah. from that first night. Yeah. Um, and then, as maybe listeners know or don't know, the show um, sadly closed yeah. um, due to some some drama that went down with casting. So um, I was really heartbroken to see the show go. But but I had a lot of those That's experiences. That's an incredible story. Mm-hmm. Wow. That is magical. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so helpful because yeah. on this journey, I could talk to someone who was on a journey that yeah. I want to be on, but on a higher level and yeah. kind of see what it was like. That trip helped me realize that I have a good life here and I just want to do this all the time. I don't want, I don't need to be on Broadway. I don't need to be famous. I just Mm -hmm. want to make stuff and have people watch it and enjoy it. Yeah. And I'm also in a relationship with someone who, um, they don't want to move to New York. So I was like, (laughs) I don't want to, I don't want to, I want to be with you. And so I think we can make this life work together. Um, But I was glad to do it. It was a month. Sure. It was a weird month. Because now you know. But now I know. Yeah. And I never I never think about it in the same way. Yeah. You know, I want to visit and yeah. I want to go. And of, of course, I'd love to perform there one day. That would be so cool. But I never think, oh, I just I want to move. Yeah. I'm over it. Do it made th- me really grateful to be here, actually. What what singers did you listen to as uh, as you were growing up and moving all around the country and, and the world? Um, what, what music drew you? Um. Well, when I was growing up, my parents had three cassettes that I listened to all the time. <laughs> Just three. Just three. My parents are not into music. It is oh, so weird. That's so interesting because um, you're incredibly musical. Incredibly musical. I grew up listening to um, Anita Baker, Pat Benatar, and the B-52s. Oh, that was my okay. That was my thing. Nothing wrong with any of those. Uh, and then as I got older, I got really into old jazz. Okay. So I got um, this Frank Sinatra double disc, you know, Best of Frank Sinatra yep. that I listened to. So much. And then Ella Fitzgerald, Judy mm-hmm, Garland. Mm-hmm. I got really into Julie London at a young age. Oh, yeah. Um, she's one of my favorites. And then by the time I got to high school, you know, with my pop punk aside, I got really into musicals. So yeah. that whole Rent, Wicked, Spring Awakening mm-hmm. type of type of deal. Um, I got really into Amy Winehouse and mm-hmm. Adele. But I don't know. I don't think I ever tried to... M- to mimic anyone. I mm-hmm. never tried to be, I just sang along with anything. Sure. If anyone's not seen you perform, what I love about watching you is that, um, and this is one of the things that I always try to foster myself. You don't see a technique. You look like a person who is just happened to be on the stage and Hey, there's a mic and I'm going to pick up this mic and then I'm going to open my mouth and sing. That's how it comes across. Now, maybe you're hiding, you know, decades of Super training, you know what I mean? I don't know. But you come across very genuine and your sound is – it sounds unforced, which I I appreciate because there are a lot of singers who – and maybe they're even some good friends of mine, but they don't sound 
as natural as you. Thank you. Um, is that something you think about or strive for is, or you, or maybe it works for you because you don't? I think maybe what it is, is that when I'm singing most of the time, I'm not, I don't think so much about the singing as I do the storytelling. So I'm more interested in like the lyrics and how, Mm -hmm. and how Mm -hmm. they feel. Yeah. Um, which is why I don't always challenge myself with harder songs because when I have to, when I have to really work that technique, yeah. it's not as interesting to me. Yeah. Um, well, that's interesting. And so yeah. I, I really gravitate towards songs that are maybe easier for me to sing, but that I can really delve into the the arc or the story or the feeling. Yeah. It sounds like you've worked with a lot of people in town and um, certainly been around for enough years to to be able to answer this. Who are some singers in town that you love or performers oh, of any kind? Well, Ann Michaels. Yeah. For sure. Um, I can't get enough of her. Did you and Anne work with George at the same time or, or? Okay. So I'm Anne's. Are you her understudy? I'm her understudy. Yay. <laughs> so the past two sure. Christmases. Okay. Um, she's been at the Ordway. I think she's been in shows. Okay. And George Maurer's group does a yep. big co- Christmas concert yep. at the Dakota. Okay. So for the past two years, I've been, um, their guest vocalist sure. in her, in her place, which has been like just talking about it makes me want to throw intimidating. up. It's intimidating. Intimidating. I mean, no, oh. she's the nicest person in the world. She's by so the way. nice. She um she used to come see the Tom Waits show when we did it and was could not have been nicer or more complimentary. And she's one of the sweetest, most genuine people I know. But I I get the intimidation because mm-hmm. she's so talented. She's yeah. she's wild. Yeah. Um, I love I love Thomasina. Thomasina Petrus. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I would like to see more jazz. Okay. Um, and there's I, a lot of great jazz in town, mm-hmm. absolutely. And I'd like to just see more bands. Like I was, like was going to ask, are you yeah, a band person? Are I you, am a band person. Do you have? Uh, do you sing in a band right now? Other, you mentioned the champagne, champagne drops. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which you are in. Um, are you in a bigger band? No, no, I'm not in a bigger band. Um, I have started to write my own music, mm-hmm. um, and then oh, I have a great. couple friends, Emily Dussault and Theo Langson, and I. Uh, spent the beginning of this year writing songs together. So we made a project called The Living Room Project, where we made a set of songs inspired by the living room. So books in our living room or experiences in our living room. I wrote a song about Ikea furniture. (laughs) um, And it was really fun just to make music, just to write it and make it and especially collaborate on it together. How long have you all known each other? I've known Emily for a long time. And I've known Thea. Well, who's to say when you really meet people? Because <laughs> you meet people, but then you don't really sure. meet them. Yeah. So we we knew each other for a long time, and individually Here in the cities, in the cities okay. yeah, we had said, "Oh, I want to. We should do something yeah. together. We should collaborate yeah. together." Um, and then at the Ivies last year, we all ran into each other and we're like, "We should make music." <laughs> and then the next day, Thea was like, "Okay, we are done talking about it. Awesome. What is your what's your schedule?" How are Tuesdays? Let's meet. <laughs> That's and then great. we just started doing it from there. So nice. I see that you've been in the um the Park Square production of Anne Frank a couple of times. Yes. I think I saw you play Margot, didn't mm-hmm. I? Uh Sulia was playing Anne. Um and that's something they do every year. Uh what's been your favorite role that you've gotten to play in the in the theater or the musical theater? Well, I when I started the diary of Anne Frank, I mm-hmm. got to play Anne, mm-hmm. which was Amazing. Yeah. And still one of my favorite roles okay. ever. Uh, 
just because she is such a beautifully written character yeah. and a beautiful person. So mm-hmm. she gets to have a lot of comedic bits in the mm-hmm. first act, which you wouldn't expect. I was surprised mm-hmm. how funny that show was. It was. It's really funny. And then she gets a beautiful monologue at the end. Yeah. So it's just everything you could want as an actor. Yeah. Um, musical theater, I have to say, this sparkling junior talent pageant that I did mm-hmm. this summer, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's nice playing a role that's written for you. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say. <laughs> I think we'd all want um, that. Sure. Yeah. And I, I, so Keith and I are friends. We were living at the time when we did this show. And in months previous, I had kind of said to him, like, I was frustrated a little bit with being, um, having to play roles as a woman where I wasn't a person, right? Where I was just mm-hmm. sort of like backdrop or scenery yeah. or, yeah. you know, just kind yeah. of adding in like yeah. giggles sure. is kind of how I described it. Yeah. We talked a little bit um, about that before we turned the mics on. But yeah, there's uh, often female roles are, are, you know, sort of in service of the male character, which is a drag. Yeah. And, you know, it's just sometimes it's hard when mm-hmm. that's your, and and it's fine, but it sometimes can get draining. Yeah. Um. And so this role is written very much to be like the cutesy girl, the mm-hmm. cutesy like, ooh, but then underneath she's a huge B-I-T-C-H. I don't know if I can say that on this podcast. <laughs> I, I don't think the FCC listens. So okay, okay, great. Um, so so then she's nasty and she's sexual and she's cunning and manipulative and um, vulnerable, like all these layers. I'm like, mm-hmm. yes, this is really lovely. Cool. Um, like I did a whole chunk of it in a bikini and I did a whole like child hula hoop routine and <laughs> it was fun to get to be this complex person. Yeah. So um, is there someone in town from whom you have learned a tremendous amount? I mean, I've learned a tremendous amount from George. George Maurer. George Maurer. Yeah. Um, I think... Yeah, put that into words. What what has he given you? So when I start, like I said, when I started singing jazz, I had only done it with recordings. Mm-hmm. And playing with George is is making music in a way that is unlike anything else. So in jazz, you know, in a traditional song, in a in a musical theater song, say, you you know exactly what the song looks yep. like. You have the beginning, the yep. end, you can see the sheet music, you can see all the notes. And you're supposed to sing those and notes. And you're supposed to sing those <laughs> notes. And with George, we'll pick a song, we'll pick a key, we'll start, and I can we I can just feel how he plays and he can feel how I'm singing and we can work organically and unspoken things will happen and mm. there's no way we could ever plan them. Mm-hmm. And then the next time we do the song, it'll be completely different. Mm-hmm. And so to learn to feel music as mm-hmm. opposed to like execute music, mm-hmm. but to really internalize and and experience it, I couldn't have ever learned that in school. Yeah, My schooling really prepared me for that. Yeah, um, But I couldn't have known what that was like until I played with someone like that. And it's helped me just in my improvisational skills mm-hmm. musically, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I'll think the song's done and I'm ready to end. And then he's like, nope, we're doing it again. And I'm yeah. like, okay, well, now it's time for me to make new vocal choices. And yeah. how can I build and how can I pull back? And if he starts the song quietly, I'm not just going to go like, ah, I'm yeah. going to yeah. feel that and yeah. play off that. Um, and so I couldn't, I mean, I would not be the musician I am if I hadn't really mm-hmm. started with this mm-hmm. person. Yeah. Who also just gave me so much confidence. That's you know, wonderful. who was like, Yes, be I want you on the Dakota stage with me. Yeah. Sing the set. Yeah. You know, that's huge. And so when I do other things, I'm not as scared. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing is as scary as filling nice. in for Ann Michaels. <laughs> um, I also say that Jen Eckes, 
Yes. Um, is a huge hero of mine in the Twin Cities. She knows this because I've told her a million times. And Jen is, uh, Jen and I, uh, we did a show together not that long ago. We did Christmas My Way, which was the Frank Sinatra holiday show. And I was um, on the keys and Jen was one of the four singers. And uh, I I don't know, I feel like I've known her forever. And we've worked together on a bunch of things. She does a lot of cabaret. Mm -hmm. She does a lot of musical theater. She has such a beautiful, beautiful voice. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I I should... I used to hire her when I needed a soprano in the studio. Actually, there was a stretch of years when she probably did six or eight projects for me in the studio. And yeah, her voice is unbelievable. If I could watch her sing the Secret Garden track again, Mm. if I could have a recording of it, I would listen to it every day. Wow. Um, So she's just taught me a lot about just just watching her. Well, I I went to go see her in Artistry's Secret Garden. And Mm -hmm. when I was watching her, you know, if you didn't see that production, she walks on this high wall and just like sings these beautiful high mm-hmm. notes. Um, and watching her, I had this revelation, like we are so lucky as an audience that this w- woman wants to give her time mm-hmm. to sing these notes for us and walk along this wall. Like we are so lucky. That's that's how I, did you see her on Sunday in the Park with George? No. That's how I felt when I saw that production. And um this is going to make her embarrassed when she hears this, but who cares, Jen? Deal with it. Uh, I was because again, I'd known her for a decade or two, and you know we were friends and um, had done some things together. I was I left that performance t- completely transformed because of her. Mm-hmm. I had uh, it's you can't put it into words. You, you felt lucky, yes. to see her play this role. She was stunning. I can't, I can't even put it into words. Yeah. Yeah. So we've been talking about, uh, all this great music stuff that you've done, stuff that you get to do. Um, would you be willing to sing for us? Sure. Yay. I love this. This is my favorite part. (laughs) So what do you want to sing? Um, I'm feeling a little Amy Winehouse. Okay. Think, uh, let's do, you know, I'm no good. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm nervous. I'm excited. Let's talk about it on the other side. Okay. When we're married Cause you're not bitter 
amazing that was totally amazing okay for those of you who uh may have guessed that that wasn't me accompanying on the piano you're right we totally bought a karaoke track because that song (laughs) if you don't have the drums you don't have the horns what's the point and you sing it so well i'm glad i was able to provide a band in a box for you (laughs) (laughs) that was great um you uh that's a quality in your voice that i hear a lot um like you said you don't you you did not ever set out to just imitate people you certainly you can sound like her so that's cool um you have this this you bring that sort of rich tone to the the other things i've heard you saying so it's it's an exciting sound you have such a great voice oh yeah it's wonderful wonderful thank you for doing that oh my gosh thanks for having me of course so uh, Leslie, we call this podcast Ask the Music Director because uh, it's mostly a chance for me to sit down and talk to people, which I love. Obviously, this has been great fun um, and hear people sing, which is great. And also, so the little thing we tag on at the end is uh, you get to ask me anything you want. I've been working as a music director since 1980, oh, 1987. So gosh, that's 30 years now, 30 plus years. And uh, I also work as a singer and an actor, but but frequently as a music director. And um, I know often people uh, have these questions that they want to ask that they've never been able to ask. So anything at all about auditions, about rehearsals, or just about me or whatever, um, I'm going to turn the mic over to you. This is your chance. You're in charge. Uh, okay. My question okay. is, um, what's your favorite? Do you have a favorite musical or a favorite musical score? Several, yes. Chess is one of them. Um, I think Sweeney Todd is maybe the most perfect show ever written. Certainly Sondheim's best show. Um, Sometimes his shows are so intellectually composed that I feel nothing. Mm -hmm. That show makes me feel everything. Um, And my... Other two lifelong favorite shows are Jesus Christ Superstar and Evita. Uh, again, I think that's where Lloyd Webber peaked with those two shows. Mm-hmm. Um, two of the most perfect scores, I think. Um, and funny, he tinkered with Evita. He has tinkered with Evita and rewritten some of the harmonies, uh, reharmonized that song. Um, I think the Rainbow Tour, it's called. I think he reharmonized some of that, and I think and really re- re- changed the melodies. And I thought, why? I don't understand. I thought it was great. I thought mm-hmm. it stood on its own. Those are, I think, three of the shows that for me are, are pinnacle shows. Yeah. Well, Leslie Vincent, yeah. thank you so much. Oh, this has been thanks for amazing. Me. Yes. I love sitting and talking <laughs> to you. This has been really, really, really fun. Um, everybody, look for Beehive at the Old Log Theater. Okay, in the summer of 2018. And uh, again, thank you, thank you so much for coming. Yeah. Out. You're welcome. Appreciate it. <laughs> 
Today you heard Leslie sing You Know I'm No Good by Amy Winehouse. All our podcast music is licensed through Harry Fox Agency. You can find Leslie on Facebook and on Twitter and Instagram with the handle at Killer Queen. That's at Killer K-W-E-E-E-N. Tune in next week when my guest will be James A. Rocco. I'll go back to the Winter Garden <laughs> yeah. and sing. And I went to the Cats audition and I sang Runaway, the oh, old funny. Del Shannon yeah. song. Yeah. Uh, you know, run, 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 run away. And, they, and I was in like jeans and cowboy boots yeah. and like my rock and roll outfit. And they said, can you come back at five o'clock? And I was like, sure, you know, I can. But inside of thinking, Cats, hardy, har, 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 har. And never thinking to ask about dancing. So I show up at five o'clock. Still in your cowboy boots. Still in my cowboy boots and jeans and everything. And all these Broadway dancers are in Mm -hmm. like, you know, spandex. But I can dance. Yeah. So they start giving the combination. I'm auditioning for Rum Tum Tugger, who's the rock and roll cat. So I had just sung Runaway. And now I'm in cowboy Mm -hmm. boots jumping around like a cat. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, I'm the last one on the stage. And I'm like, holy cow. I'm in cats. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Do you have any comments, questions, suggestions? You can always reach me on Facebook at Ask the MD Podcast or on the webpage AskTheMDPodcast.com. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iTunes Store, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you get a chance, leave us a review. It'll help others find their way to us. Thank you.